1: Hi, I'm Jules von Hepp. Hello,
2: I'm Sarah Powell.
1: And welcome to Wobble, a podcast about happiness and body confidence.
2: Because we all wobble.
1: On this episode, I am joined, it's a solo episode with makeup artist, Katie Jane Hughes. Now this is one of those episodes that really summarises Wobble. It's a very raw interview. I urge you to listen to this interview right through to the end because there are real tips throughout, but also what amazes me is Katie is rocketed to somebody within the beauty industry who's making huge changes in how we see our faces, how we do our makeup, how we take our selfies. She is changing the way that beauty and social media is being perceived. And it's just really important that you listen all the way through to the end. I think we should describe where we are.
2: We are in a tiny little wardrobe site scenario, with yes. a tan all around us. Yes. And a tanning booth with a fan in it, and yes. a towel on the floor, with full massive salon-sized bottles of IOP, and Bioderma, and all the crystals that you could dream of, and the best lip mask, which is Lineage, and some weird stick-on shoes, and a massive big brush.
1: <laughs> Basically, Katie has come to our Isle of Paradise office in Manhattan, New York. City and um, I'm in between clients so we have pulled big velvet curtains around (laughs) and we are sat down if you don't know Katie Katie is um, I mean we met at fashion week
2: at an erdem show and you were there doing tan and I was there doing nails because I used to be a manicurist many 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 many, many moons ago Um, but yeah (laughs) we met backstage and we just remember you being the chattiest most sweetest human and Cut two. Seven years later, some PR person somewhere in the world—I forgot who it was—somebody from Beauty Scene, probably your PR agency, was like, "We want to send Jules to meet you and give you a tan." And I was like, "I don't really tan. Uh, I don't. I, I can't do it. Like I'm crap." Because we didn't really know each other. I didn't know you, and I didn't know that I wanted to hang out with you at that time. Mm. And then you kind of like came to my apartment. I was having a really good body week that week and I felt really good in myself. And I was like, yeah, I want to feel tan because my body looks good right now. And I've always gone through up and downs with feeling how I feel about my body as everybody else does. And I just remember feeling good and I was like, I can be naked in front of a stranger today, sure. And then I invited my friend Lori, who you also met and who you love. And we got tanned in my apartment and I literally have never, ever, ever, ever felt so comfortable in the nude. You're so embracing in the way that you are with people that you're not a stranger. You're literally, that phrase, Strangers are only friends you've not yet met. That is you.
1: Oh, I love that you phrase. You are literally
2: that, that phrase.
1: Before I came into your life, mm-hmm. um, tell me about your journey, because you and I are both Northern. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, how did you get into makeup?
2: I got into makeup by default, kind of. I wanted to be a singer, I wanted to be an actress, I wanted to be something in the arts, which I am, evidently. Um, my mom was a singer and I just always used to watch her putting her makeup on and Watching that from a young age really instilled that into my sort of mind and I always just thought it was a necessary thing to feel put together. My mom went from this, you know, mum of four kids in the daytime to like putting on a literally a vintage sequin sparkly jacket, pair of heels, and a big pair of earrings and like a black dress underneath with her red lipstick and a black mascara, and she sometimes wouldn't even wash her mascara off from the night before and keep going the next day because she didn't have any time and she still doesn't. It's hilarious. She's gotten a while and she's left because of it. But um <laughs> she but she loves a tan. My mom wears foundation that's like seven shades too dark for her skin for some reason it works she is a bit darker complexion than me though but um yeah i always just knew i wanted to be a creative like in high school and in primary school i left primary school at the age of 11 right before i was 12 and you finished primary school i left high school at 15 because i was bullied and i hated it and i was just like i'd come home from school every day and like kind of be miserable and cry and i'd be like i'm getting bullied i don't like it i'm getting teased and i would get called these names because my hair was curly and i didn't know how to style it and i was chubby and didn't know how to dress right for my body shape and schooling was just never like a thing that i enjoyed and I knew i wanted to be creative so i just didn't put any and also the teachers just didn't really at my schools didn't really put effort into the kids that weren't naturally gifted in academia so therefore it, it just felt like you know okay well if you're not gonna put effort into me yeah which is weird because it's like well why wouldn't you put effort into yourself but i also do think that there's an element of my mind sometimes it makes me think i'm maybe i'm dyslexic because it just always found it always felt like a struggle school just felt like a struggle for me the whole time i was never good at any of it
1: school is that for some for some of us and i think the knock effect that school has into adolescent life is insane like I was really badly bullied at school I had to move school and I think that people don't realize that bullying embeds I think a lot of triggers and insecurities Mm -hmm. within individuals Mm -hmm. as you then move into life I think it's amazing that you knew that you didn't want to be at school because I kept going I kept pushing my way through and it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse for me
2: I wonder if it was because my sister left school early as well though or because I knew my whole family were creative, that I was like, I don't even need to use math or English on a daily basis. I knew I wanted to be a singer, an actor, or a dancer, what ended up being a makeup artist. But that, I think what is so funny is so many other makeup artists or hairdressers or creatives in our field Mm. were pursuing a career in the media, in the arts of the media, like in the singing or the acting category, because they really are one of much of the same muchness. You're still Mm. doing this thing. You're still doing the same thing, you're just on a different side of the camera.
1: And what was it like growing up being a creative in that environment. Like did how long were you up north in the UK for?
2: I think I left my hometown when I was twenty two, moved to London, moved in with two like dudes in Kennington. In an ex council flat, and I rented a bedroom there. It was five hundred pounds a month for my bedroom there. And I worked in a nail shop because I knew how to do nails. Like when I dropped out of high school, primary school, high school, all the schools, I went and got a job at a local nail shop and learned how to do nails, like on people, and did acrylics and manicures, and was really good at it. My mom was like, "Go get your job in a nail shop, learn your craft, learn your trade, something to fall back on, because you know whatever else you want to do might not work out. Have something to fall back on." And you know, and that was what it was. And it took me to the place where I am now in a way, in an indirect. You know, everything's a stepping stone. When I moved to London, I worked in a nail shop. Shop that was um, run by this girl who bought a chain of nail shops and then tried to rebrand it into her own and that lasted about two months and then I met Tarek, my husband,
1: and when did you start doing makeup?
2: My first job in a makeup environment was an Estee Lauder counter in my hometown when I was like 18. So I knew that like nails was already something I'd picked up on. I started mm-hmm. doing nails when I was 16. I was doing nails two years, decided I didn't want to do nails. I wanted to start figuring out makeup because I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then I was like, I'm going to go work at, work at Estee Lauder counter. And I didn't really like it for the main reason that in that small town, in that small minded, you know, thing, you have to do everything by the book, otherwise it's not the right way. And I remember painting my eyes once with my fingertips with the products from the counter, which is gross. Now that I think about it, because it makes me cringe when I go you to Sephora. You don't know where those yeah. fingers well, you, are. Yeah. Being... <laughs> I see people in Sephora putting makeup directly on their faces from the things. I'm like, no, stop it. That's like literally the dirtiest thing. <laughs> Painted my eyes with my fingers with these eyeshadows. And I remember vividly it was purple and green, and I was obsessed. And I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I remember telling a girl that was on the other side of the counter shopping. I was like, yeah, I just picked up this color and this color. She was like, your eyes look amazing. And she was like, I was like, yeah, I just use my ring finger to put on a bit of the green in the inside and use a bit of the purple on the outsides. And this girl, it was the store counter manager, kicked my foot from under the table behind the counter. Say no! Don't say your fingers. You could be selling brushes right now, and that instantly put me off because I was like, "Well, no. If I can do it without my with my fingers, then somebody else should too. Like, it's fine." Yeah. Now I never use my fingers to do eyeshadow, but it was more just the mentality of the sales environment that it was, and, and like how can't pushy do it this. was. But that kind of environment is essential to working your way up through the industry that we're in now like from that job I went to when I moved to London I met my husband and pretty much moved in with him within a month of knowing each other because we just fell in love and we were like these young kids I mean he's a few years older than me but I was this young kid and this dashing man that was just like looking after me and I was 23 and he was 37 and um I got a job at Space & K because I was like, I want to work in a retail environment where I can learn makeup on real people every day because I've watched a few videos of big makeup artists being like, you know, you got to learn how to do skin first. Everything else is secondary. And I got a job at Space & K because I knew that I wanted to do makeup and fashion. And I thought, OK, if I'm going to work anywhere where I think that the aesthetic of the consumer is the aesthetic that I want to portray in my makeup, mm-hmm. where would that be? And I was like, it's not really MAC, even though I love the MAC aesthetic, it's Space & K, because I wanted to do that cool high-end fashion editorial, those gorgeous fashion brands with that minimal skin where you don't look like you've got any makeup on. So I worked at Space & K for a couple of years, started doing my thing and then started doing nails on set. Because
1: I mean, now you are working with some of the world's most famous women. I see so many times you being named as the makeup artist, who's changing the way that people are doing makeup, like you're educating people on a global scale. At your Instagram, dear listener, if you have not checked out Katie's Instagram, just pause this and have a look because you are doing something that's so different from what everybody else does and what we see everywhere else. Where was that moment where the makeup started to take off for you
2: well the nails was paying the bills while i was assisting for free because that's what you do you assist for free and you maybe get a job in a makeup shop where you build kit and you learn how to do makeup on real people because you know models have amazing skin most of the time and so do celebrities and whatever i started working for a brand um that had makeup as well as nail stuff and that was a really good career path for me to take because that brand was going into the same category as I was going mm-hmm. we both started as nails we're both moving into makeup and it was a perfect kind of partner to it grow it was just into segue. That. yeah yeah so I worked with them for a little bit and then when I left in the end because it started to become t- a little bit constricting as far as what I couldn't couldn't say to the media and what I couldn't couldn't say on my social media channels because when you work for a brand you work for a brand and you only spoke about that brand now it's very much more a transparent very very organic thing when anybody works with a brand it's like it's okay to talk about competitive products now because it's really realistic people are being that's the beauty of Instagram Instagram has turned us all into these it's just made people realize that brand founders or founders of all these brands that we look at and we follow they're using competitive products on their face every day and there's no shame in that it's only normal you're not no not one brand makes everything perfect no so I left the brand and started doing stuff on my Instagram and you know I was going from posting a lot of nail stuff and then started posting like a couple eye close-ups of my eye makeup and then I'd post a full face shot and then I just noticed that my Instagram numbers would jump and like, I'd get like a lot of likes on one photo and then I'd get a bunch of followers and then um, maybe a makeup brand would regram it and then I'd get a, jump, a bunch of followers from that and I started to see the, this knock on effect. You see my Instagram, you'll see that it's glossy skin first. You will see creative and quirky placement of colors um, and fun color combinations, often with a bit of a 90s supermodel kind of vibe but in today's with today's energy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I started doing it heavy like I do heavy as far as like the amount that I do because I post every single day. I do a live every day or a stories every day unless I just need a day off and I don't think of Instagram as work even in the slightest even if I'm doing something that's branded it's not work for me it's fun even if it's branded because I don't work with brands that I don't really value what I was craving on Instagram and this is what took me down this path of fresh glossy skin and with these creative color placements and all this stuff was that everything on Instagram at the time was so heavy and so baked and so contoured and so overdone and the eyebrows were completely dense and opaque with no texture in them and I was like this is not what I got trained to do I can't do this kind of makeup I physically can't do this kind of makeup like I tried it's very very hard for me because It's like, it takes a lot of work to build that amount of product and not make it look cakey. And it's also just not my style or, you know. So I just started to do this stuff. And then a lot of people would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is the makeup I've been like wanting to do. And I'm really like glad I found you because I don't want to do this full heavy coverage. And I kind of was like angry about it for a little minute about like why this heavy, crazy, intense, contrasty, clickbait kind of makeup was doing well on Instagram. And I know now why. And it's because of the insane before and after. And it's like that amazing transformative effect, which I can never be mad at that. Because that's the beauty of makeup. It's just that we all go through different stages in our life. What kind of makeup we, we identify mm. with? My sister's wedding when I was nine, when I was sixteen, I wore black lip liner and nude lipstick, and she said, Same. If you wear, <laughs> <laughs> she said, "If you wear them lip, witch lips down my down the aisle, I'm never going to speak to you again." I was like, "No, I look amazing."
0: Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: You have such an amazing opinion on makeup. And I've read in your comments before, um, which I just find so inspiring that in a picture, skin should look like skin and you should have texture. It shouldn't be smoothed. And I think what's interesting now, I I don't know about if you're listening to this, what your, you know, everybody's feed is different, but my feed, especially in beauty, is a lot of faces with a lot of product on. And now I really look at people and how much uh, the smoothing effect is happening, whether it's through Facetune or whether it's through product. Right. Um, and I love the fact that you embrace people's skin for the individuality that they are, because a lot of I know a lot of people struggle with their skin and accepting right. Right. the skin that they have. Right what would you say is a really good way of getting yourself to that point where you don't maybe have to smooth everything?
2: Here's the thing. If I filter my face a little bit more on a Monday, I'm going to need to filter it a little bit more on a Tuesday. Then I'm going to need to filter it a little bit more on a Wednesday because you get immune to it. You get immune to how that looks. You get overly comfortable with looking like that in a photograph. And therefore, when you don't look super smooth in a photograph it's like weird to you it's almost like quitting something that's addictive because it is it's like if somebody was to quit smoking like try and quit cold turkey and see you know what i'm saying Mm. it's like i edit my photos of course like everybody does you don't not usually even if you edit within the instagram app you're still technically editing it because you're changing light and you're changing all of that i edit in an app called Snapseed, and only if my texture looks dry or crepey in a photograph if it doesn't in real life is where I would take structure down by like five percent and it literally just knocks the edge off but it does not dissolve my pores I would never ever dissolve my pores because pores are human they're a human privilege if we didn't have pores we wouldn't sweat therefore we wouldn't like
1: your skin won't be able to breathe sk-
2: right they're they're a very 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 important part of our anatomy and they're beautiful like and I know that's a weird thing to say out loud because it's like some people are just like oh my god my pores look like saucepans and or whatever but I think if your pores are visible it means your skin is probably going to age less than the next person so like be happy about that. I really think it all boils down to getting your skincare right, figuring out what your um, cleansing routine is gonna be for you. Because I find that once your cleansing routine is right, everything else kind of falls into place.
1: Let's talk about pores and let's talk about people's imperfections. Because as somebody who does makeup, um you I would imagine are addressed with people's insecurities and what they want to hide and mm-hmm. what they want to embellish more. Mm-hmm. For example, when I'm doing tans, I there are certain people that will ask me to
2: shape abs.
1: To shape abs, if the <laughs> tan is gonna make them look thinner, all this and I then go into a mode of no you don't need this to do this like Good. this this yeah. isn't about this right what are the most common things that people say to you about their face that is insecurities
2: it really depends on the person i think brows tend to be a particular place that people get a bit precious Mm. because people are into brows these days they always have been but I feel like brows right now are a place where people want their brows to be done a specific way Um, and I often find that when I do somebody's makeup I probably don't do the coverage that they would like in the sense that I don't see the imperfections on somebody else as they would themselves so therefore I always find that a couple clients will be like oh can I just have a bit more coverage on that pimple there and I'm like I didn't even see that pimple I didn't even see what you were talking about because I just don't see it I see their eyes I see their lips I see the contours of their face and I see breakouts and I see texture but I can try and get rid of texture with maybe like a glycolic pad kind of like." the Elemis peel pads which I love Mm. and um, I hydrate their skin in the zones where I want the shine to be the most prominent and then I I only put moisturizers on the T-zone with only what's left on my fingertips because somebody will ask me oh how do I make my makeup last longer and I don't say primers I say look at your skin throughout the day see where it's getting oily throughout the day and do not hydrate those areas first the very next day the next day hydrate all of the other areas that don't get shiny throughout the day first and only what's left on your fingers put in those shiny zones also I'm not an esthetician so this is just what works for me and what works for my subjects when I'm working on them on set." But even sometimes, like if I'm using like a concealer, like stretch concealer, I just might not put moisturizer on somebody because it might not need it because it's a shiny concealer. And that's the thing is everybody's skin is different. Everybody's skin does different things, and everybody is using a different array of products. And I think it's a case of that cocktailing products for the places on your face where you need them most is important, and being selective with your coverage, not selective with the intensity of the coverage, but selective of where you put the product. One product doesn't have to go over the whole face. You might just need moisturizer in the T zone. You might just need moisturizer on the high points. You might only need concealer around your nose and your eyes. You might only need concealer in your chin. You can spot. Conceal, but blend it out into a larger area so that it doesn't look like you know what I'm saying.
1: We have had a, quite a few DMs on Wobble about um because Sarah and I both talk about how we love the playfulness of beauty and of fashion. That for us is really we get to play with the best bits that we like about ourselves. Like I love my eyes, so I'm really all about highlight and drawing attention to my eyes. have yep, beautiful eyes. Thank <laughs> you very much. I love a glossy lid. I love a glossy lid. Um, <laughs> but I work in beauty. I know what I'm doing. But if if somebody is listening to this and they aren't a beauty person like we had one dm once that um really stood out and this girl said i feel really comfortable at home and i'm when i'm naked that's when i'm my most confident wow. but getting dressed and putting makeup on makes my insecurities come people can be quite afraid of beauty what would be the areas that you would start that instantly has tiny little tips that have huge knock-on effect
2: that's a hard question only because everybody's is different yeah the the tip i would say the most that i think is the most important is that i honestly could put on a full face of makeup and feel incredible but then i can take it off that night and feel just as incredible because my skin's clean and gleaming i think that there's two extremes right but i would say that at the end of the day makeup washes off try it take some selfies like i believe in the power of a good selfie i really do i have this project that i work on when i have the time called selfie sessions where i invite somebody to my apartment who's a friend or a model that i've worked with that i get along with um, and sometimes a follower or two that i'm close with that I interact with a lot on social media and that I would welcome into my home. I just pick a product based on what they've gone on. If they've got light eyes, I'll probably go for like a warm toned eyeshadow palette. If they've got beautiful lips, I might go for a red lip or whatever. I mean, everybody's got beautiful lips. It's a case of whether I feel like their face would do justice in a red lip and if it would be like a moment. And then I pick that product and then I start building the look with that one product with no other product in my head because that's the thing that stumps me is the creative. I don't want any preconceived idea of what I'm gonna do because that is the best way to get the creativity out of me is just to let it happen naturally. Mm. And that is something that I urge people to do as like a meditative little session with yourself is pick a product, play with it in any way that you feel like you should. Put it on your lips, put it on your cheeks. If it's an eyeshadow and it happens to be a pinky kind of rouge, put it on your cheeks as well. Or if it's a lipstick that is not menthol or that you've, you know, put a tiny bit on a brush and sweep it over your lid for like a cool textured sheen. Follow the accounts where you're like, I want to wear makeup like that and ask them questions. DM these people and watch their content and just follow along. It, it washes off. And again, back to the selfie thing, I do believe in the power of a good selfie because not only is it really fun to look at yourself in this transformative element like makeup and either look at that as time goes by or even just look at it that one day and post it on Instagram and see what kind of feedback you get, that I think helps my confidence. When Mm. I'm having a low confident day, I might throw on a cool big liner, bit of shadow, pretty lip, glossy skin. I put it on Instagram and it definitely boosts my confidence when I know that people appreciate that because hard work goes into it people are like oh my god this is really cool and it makes me feel good because it makes me feel good for two reasons It makes me feel good because people think I look nice in it and that's also a comfort it's never a bad thing you've mm, told mm. you look good and then it makes me feel good because people are like oh my god I'm gonna try this tomorrow and then they send me pictures of their success
1: well also your face is your it's this amazing canvas that you can have so much fun with whether you're a guy whether you're a girl what whatever gender right. you identify with the face I love the fact that you've said it all washes off right like just have a play yeah the best thing about About being humans, the fact that we're all unique and all of our genetic structure is different so everybody's face is different so you can play in so many different ways and it's a really interesting thing that you said that I like a glossy lid because there is sometimes days where I stay home I don't leave the house and I (laughs) wear I'll really play with makeup I wouldn't necessarily leave the door but I will and I will take selfies and I will look at myself I feel like it's a sense of achievement Mm -hmm. and accomplishment that yeah I created that that's great yeah. and and I'm honestly saying this to you, dear listener, that you don't have to be a pro to do this. No. You can play yeah. with anything and just have fun with yep. what you've got in yep. your kit. Yep. Also, I think swapping products with friends, like right. asking around, like right. pigments, right. textures. Right. 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 Like honestly, when Katie and I are together, I'm in Katie's kit. Like no <laughs> tomorrow. Although I haven't there's made there's
2: a kit it, of mine at your house, I,
1: but I haven't gone in. You should out of dignity. I've never Would gone into your kit. Do. Let's talk about you and your clients. So um whether they're high profile or not, if somebody sits in the chair and they're feeling insecure and they're feeling down, as a makeup artist, how do you calm somebody down? How do you keep them on the straight and narrow? Um,
2: It depends on the mood that they're in and if it's like a stressful mood because there's so much going on in their life, the best thing to do is just to be quiet and observe their, pu- and not be too erratic around them. It's, it, there's definitely a like a non-qualification that goes with what we do and we have to mirror somebody's energy very mm. fast.
3: Mm-hmm. If you don't, Agreed.
2: You know, like I got into a car with a celebrity client of mine a couple of months back and I, it was like five o'clock in the morning and I'm a morning person and I was like, "Good morning, everybody. She was like, not today. You know, some people are morning people, some people aren't.
1: Yeah. And But it, that I think is relatable into whatever industry you're working in. It's just that we have to do it so much. Right, right. But whether you're getting in the car with your boss, right, right, with a family right, member, right, right. mirroring somebody's energy yeah, it is, it is a really good way yeah, of just right. masking a situation right
2: and it's not a case of not being yourself it's a case of just respecting the energy around you and being like you know okay this person might not want energy just like you might not want energy that kind of energy around you on any given day um I would give them a good face massage I'd stand behind them and like put their head just on the top of my chest and try and get them to like put their phone away for a second and just like I kind of just say close your eyes for a second and I'll do like a face massage and I'll do it from the forehead all the way down to the cheeks then all the way down to the chin and then all the way back up again and normally when you come back around to the front of their face you can see they look a bit a bit more restless and nobody dislikes a face massage unless people just don't like to be touched mm. in which case you kind of you know people don't like their hands on your face
1: how do you de-stress yourself if you've been around somebody who has really bad negative energy yeah. and if say i'm really lucky in my job because if somebody has bad en- energy i'm genuinely usually with them for an hour and i'm out right for you if you're on a set and this applies you know there will yeah. be people listening who will be with somebody all day in day out on mm-hmm. a job or in an office and there's someone that they're working with and their energy is hardcore when you get home how do you decompress
2: i decompress by Put Netflix on and I have this hot cherry stone pillow normally when I'm stressed I hold my stress in my stomach um, but I have this really amazing hot cherry stone pillow I throw it in the microwave for three minutes I put it on my stomach it like relieves all this tension I like Tarek's so sweet like gives me a foot rub and stuff like I just do that I just zone out I just I just like get on the couch under a quilt with my phone and put Netflix on and have a bottle of water or if I'm stressed at home my favorite way to wind down honestly is to create and paint my face without any preconceived idea of what I'm gonna do and just like sit there in front of my mirror and paint and play and let develop what wants to develop with no idea in mind.
1: You mentioned before about that I want to just touch back on about where you are now and working on sets and jobs and creating texture and having this amazing Instagram profile. When you look back at the girl who was bullied at school and you look at the picture of you in the lips at your sister's wedding and the fact that you left that world, what advice would you give to anybody who is potentially feeling like they're in the world and they want to be where you are?
2: You know, I think obviously everybody's situation is different and I, this might be a controversial thing to say, but I'm really, we, I was never bullied in a physical way, more of a verbal way, but I think that can be just as bad sometimes. I'm weirdly glad that I was bullied because it made me who I am. It made me like, I'm very compassionate toward people. I'm like stronger because of it. It like thickened my skin and you know, my mom definitely cod- Molly coddled us even though we were bullied. She like was the lioness. She would try to go to the school and yell at the teachers for letting it happen. And, you know, it was always the worst thing you could do as a parent because, like, you kids then just look weaker in a weird kind of way. But you can't help that being a mom. But I just say embrace it all. Even though it might not feel good right now, there's a reason maybe why it's happening. It's there to try and strengthen you. And it's there to, you know, my mom was just to say everything is such trials. Like, take every single experience and try and see the good in every experience and try and just bring a positive from everything, even if it's bad.
1: That's exactly how I believe. There's a positive in every negative. Right. Uh, We always finish Wobble by asking each guest, because we all wobble, what makes (laughs) you wobble?
2: I'm an anxious person just by nature. I always have been, I think based on my upbringing, just the way it is. My mom was anxious and always worried and I think that definitely passed on to me. My wobble is just my nerves and like always just having something to be nervous about, which I am so grateful for, but I'm also, it's like my... Why are you
1: grateful for it? I'm
2: grateful for it because it makes me feel like I feel... You know, like I, I don't know, like whenever I talk about my anxiety, I don't feel sorry for myself. I feel proud that, like, I don't always let my anxiety get get better of me, but sometimes I do, and it's it's struggle. It, that's that's my wobble.
1: Dealing with anxiety. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's something that Sarah is really open about on the podcast as well. I wish, I really wish that she could and I be here too. now. Like, you
2: have to be. Like the amount of people that like last year, last year I got off a plane because of anxiety, and I was like on a plane, I was about to go to Texas for a job. American Airlines terminal is so claustrophobic and it's so tight and like squashed and horrible and dark and whatever. And we were delayed already three hours and I was sitting next to these people and I got on the plane and I was in the seats that I wanted to be in and all of that. Like I have this whole method when I fly, like I like to be in the bulkhead of a window seat and try to be as close to the front of the plane as possible and fly as early in the day because I've read that the turbulence is less in the day. I'm a nervous traveler. Anyway, um, I got on the plane and the weather was amazing. Like literally the weather in the sky was clear. There was not a cloud in the sky. I got in my seat and I like, I looked up at the sky and I was like, we're going to be up there in a minute. I like thought, okay, just take a breath for a second. You'll be fine. I opened my seltzer, which I never even drink. I don't even know why I had a seltzer with me. I opened my seltzer, the bottle, and it like literally went all over me. And there was nobody next to me, but there was a guy in the aisle seat. And he looked at me and he goes, "You gotta clean that up." And I go, "Ah, I know." And I hadn't checked her bag; I just had a tote bag. I literally got my tote bag from the overhead bin, and I got off the plane. And I ran off, and the woman was like, "Hey," the woman at the desk where you give your passport, or whatever. She was like, "Wait, where are you going?" I was like, "I don't want to fly." She's like, "Why not?" I was like, "I'm having anxiety." And I got in the car and went home. The anxiety that I suffered for getting off the plane was way worse than the anxiety for not get, for not doing it. Like but it all I came suffered, good in the end. It did, but I suffered more anxiety for letting letting it get the better of me. Flying is a tr- is a struggle for me because I live so far from home, and um, yeah, travel is tricky but yeah my wobble is definitely anxiety i have anxiety every single day without without file but it just always is different and sometimes it manifests and sometimes it doesn't but often it manifests in like bubble guts and i'll like have a funny tummy and like i was nervous before coming into this building because the elevator because i got stuck in an elevator a year ago i was like if i'm going to be stuck in an elevator with anybody it would have to be yours.
1: but you conquer your anxiety every day
2: that's the thing and that's why you that's why i'm grateful for it because it's like it makes me push myself and i know that i'm gonna do amazing things and i already am doing amazing things and i'm just so grateful for the person that i've become because of all of the things that have already happened and for, because of the great wonderful people in my life
1: you've been amazing thank Thanks. you so much for coming on wobble we've loved it it was so fun There's so much in this interview that I want to pull out and take away. I think really the whole reason that Sarah and I started Wobble is because we wanted to show you that we all wobble. And you may follow somebody like Katie and see her from the outside as somebody who works with really high-profile celebrities, as somebody that creates amazing makeup, and she has this huge Instagram following, and you think, oh, she's got it all. But actually, what I love about this interview, and I love about how open Katie has been, is that she suffers, and she says she suffers on a daily basis with her anxiety. And you can hear within the interview that it is still triggering for her. I think it's really brave that she's come on this podcast and has been so open with us, and shown us that we all wobble. So whatever we're doing on a daily to day basis it's important to just check in with yourselves and go you know what I am only human I'm not a superhuman just because of what someone's job title is or what somebody's doing we all have emotions and Superman doesn't exist I don't think he does if he does I want his costume there's also really lovely tips about how things got started and how she takes it back to what her core beliefs are in her world everybody is smoothing their skin and creating this certain type of makeup she doesn't believe in that so she's not doing it on a day-to-day basis which is giving her job satisfaction and that's something that I think is a really takeaway thing as well. Do something that you believe in and do something that is linked to your core passions. This is an episode that I will definitely listen back to again and again because I think there's different things through it. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please reach out to Sarah and I on Instagram. Please don't forget to give us a rating on Wobble. If you are a newbie to Wobble, there are plenty of episodes for you to really get your teeth into. And we'll see you next time for another brilliant guest on Wobble.